SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution. I'm your host, Alex Humer, and I'm joined today by an experienced CEO that's taken not one, but two companies public and had a great sales career before that, including being VP of sales at Live Picture and McAfee. My guest has also been involved in a fundraising round for his SaaS during a tough economic climate, but was uh, very successful and announced the, uh, the company's Series D f- uh, round funding of $30 million on March the 30th. Um, so welcome to the show, Mark Woodward, CEO of uh, Invoca. Thanks very much, Alex. Uh, no, it's a pleasure to have you. Did, is it Invoca, Invoca? It's yeah, Invoca. It actually stands for Inbound Voice Call, Invoca. Okay, very good, very good. Um, uh, and uh, so, obviously, um, you know, congrats on the awesome news. Um, you, you know, that, uh, you know, funding news, uh, well, th- th- this recent funding news that, um, uh, that I saw is sort of the inspiration for the angle of this podcast. So I'd like to discuss with you today, you know, <clears throat> raising capital in, a, in an icy uh, economic climate. Uh, sound, sound okay to you? Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Uh, and, and I guess, well, before we, you, you know, get into that topic, you know, I always start the show with the opportunity for my guests to, you know, give the listeners a bit of background to yourself, you know, to the company, uh, to Invoca. Um, so, you know, what's Mark Woodward's background? How did you end up in the hot seat uh, at Invoca's? Uh, you've only been there about 11 months, right? Uh, yeah, about 10 months, something like that. Yeah. So I... Um... I started out as a as a programmer actually um, working uh, at an insurance company, Allianz Insurance. I helped them build and open their first data center in, in North America, and so I was a a very technical guy for the first three or four years of my career. And then I uh, got a phone call from a recruiter to move from LA up to Northern California to uh, sell software. Uh, kind of the early days of of packaged software back in the early eighties. And this company was looking for somebody who had a kind of a technical background they thought they could teach to sell. And that began, you know, what has now been a 32-year career in, in, in sales, even though I've been running companies now for the last 15 years, um, 17 years, I still consider myself a, a sales guy at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, moved up here and just uh, had, a, had a lot of success early um, and was selling uh, security software initially. And then I went to work for Oracle in the, in the uh, mid-80s, so kind of early in the, in the Oracle story. Uh, and then a number of just kind of successive um, promotions from sales rep to sales manager to director to vice president, et cetera. Uh, as you mentioned, I was uh, vice president of sales actually uh, at, at Computer Associates at a company called Legion Corporation at, um, at Life Picture at McAfee. Uh, and then joined a company called Serena Software as a head of sales. And in less than a year, I became the CEO of that company. And that was the first uh, IPO I was involved in. Ran that company for eight years and then um, sold it for $1.2 billion. Um, left the company, uh, joined another company uh, called uh, E2Open. That was a SaaS-based supply chain management company. Took that company public, uh, ran it for about seven years, and then sold that company. And uh, that was just this past uh, year ago, a year ago right now, so a year ago March. Um, and uh, as I left the company, uh, originally I was going to stay. I decided afterwards I was going to... I decided to go do something else. I uh, stuck around long enough to re- basically replace myself, hired my replacement. I stayed on the board for about a, about a year. And uh, as I was just exiting the company, I had a couple recruiters called me and they said they you know, wondered if I was looking to do something else. And I said, you know, I'm really not. I, would, I, I sit on a couple of other software company boards. I said, you know, maybe I'll sit on a few boards. So if you hear of any interesting boards, let me know. 
And of, as recruiters do, all they did was send me specifications for CEO jobs. Um, and one of them was uh, uh, for Invoca. And this gentleman who I knew quite well said, said to me, he said, listen, in about three weeks, I'm going to get a specification for a search. Um, and you have to look at this company. It's the coolest company I've ever seen. And I said, okay, I will. And the very next day, he sent me the spec and said, okay, they've decided to move a little faster. You know, you need to look at this company. And six weeks later, I'm, uh, so I was CEO. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how I got here. Okay, awesome. awesome. And, and so th- th- this coolest company that you, uh, that you obviously joined, you know, who uh, and, and what are they? You know, what does Invoca do? So really what we do is uh, you know, we're filling a multi-billion dollar hole in the marketing cloud. We provide what we call a call intelligence platform that helps marketers tap into rich intelligence about conversations. So if you think about companies that sell a product that we can call a considered purchase, so financial services and insurance and travel and education, there's a number of them, where there's a phone call or a conversation involved in the sales process. And what we do is we allow companies to connect the dots from the campaign that drove the call to the call to the actual attribution of the campaign to, to revenue. So to allow companies that have a, a phone call as part of their sales process to do true omni-channel marketing. So it's all about providing the same kind of data and analytics they have today around clicks. We provide that same level of data and analytics around phone calls. Okay, awesome. So kind of a marketing automation for telephony. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Very good. And and so I mentioned uh, and, and thanks for the, uh, the the background both to yourself and uh, Invoker there. So I, I mentioned March the thirtieth. I saw an announcement uh, that you raised thirty million dollars, uh, Series D. Uh, I think led by Morgan Stanley Alternative Investment Partners. Also participating in the rounds were your existing top tier investors, Axel Partners, Upfront Ventures. Rincon Venture Partners, Salesforce Ventures, and, and Stepstone—a uh, bit of a mouthful there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this this round puts uh, Invoca's total funding uh, raised to date just north of sixty million. Um, so you, you you guys certainly on fire there. Um, now the, the the thirty million um, uh, Series D. I understand. Uh, I think I read that you started started raising this in <coughs> September two thousand and fifteen. Um, right. And and so that's <coughs> roughly sort of seven months. Um, to raise this uh, Series D. So the question, first question, you know, is, is that unusually long? You know, did the, uh, I, I guess, the, the SaaS stocks, uh, you know, tanking have uh, something to do with this sort of length? Um, you know, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so it was, it was probably about six months, actually, from start to finish. And originally, we had planned on that process taking about three months. Um, you know, I joined the company uh, in, um, uh, I guess it was late June, and the, I, we basically said, listen, we're going to need to go out and, and raise a Series D. We'll start it right after Labor Day, so roughly you know, September, uh, you know, into the first week of September. And at that time, you know, deals were getting done in you know, kind of rapidly two months and maybe <clears throat> take a little longer, three months. And so we had planned that by the end of before Christmas, we would have that round closed. And, and just about the time that we started uh, you know, kind of getting on the road and, and, and starting that fundraise, uh, the environment was was changing pretty pretty rapidly. You know, you saw um, started to see just you know a lot of things affect the price of stocks, right? Other than the performance of companies, so the price of oil, you know, and the and the and the, the just the plummeting of the price of the gallon of oil or barrel of oil. I'm sorry, uh, you know, started to have a, an effect on the stock market. And you know, as I'm out there marketing the company, you know, every day the Dow's going down 300 points, and it's 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 a difficult environment, and it. Pretty quickly went from 
companies who were good companies could go out and just pick the investors they want. Um, you know, now that investors were taking a lot more time in making these decisions about which companies they're going to invest in. So it absolutely took, uh, you know, about twice as long as we thought it was going to. Okay. And, and sort of you, you shared some of the, uh, I guess, kind of insights into that six month um, sort of fundraise. But, you know, can you give us more in terms of the inside story of the fundraise, you know, from start to finish? What were like the, you know, the major milestones, um, you know, perhaps for like other founders sort of listening? Yeah, so um, the company had, you know, since we'd done this fundraising before and, and, and Excel led our last round, which was, you know, they're a, you know, a great name and venture. And it kind of, I think kind of puts a stamp of approval on the company for, for Excel, a company like that, to come in and, and, and fund um, Invoca. So there was certainly no lack of interest. So I, I think I probably had 60 different firms that expressed interest in talking to us. And I initially took that kind of, you know, top end of the funnel and whittled it down a bit, but probably had meetings with 40 different firms um, to start with. Fortunately, the large majority were right here in the Bay Area, so it was, it was simple to do, but there were some very, very long days. So, you know, first we had to put together the, the pitch deck and, you know, update the story and, um, and, 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 you know, the co company had grown 50% in the last year and there was some really great stuff to tell. And as we were kind of had transitioned the company from selling to more in the SMB market to the enterprise space, um, you know, we had a lot of great news to share. And so there was certainly no lack of reception, no lack of, of interest. Um, but as we, you know, I kind of kept going and you'd expect to, kept going to meeting with more and more of these uh, potential investors, there's a certain process you expect to happen, which is, you know, you have a first meeting and then maybe they request some follow-on information and then you have some phone calls, then maybe you pull in the CFO, Possibly they want to see a product demo. They want to talk to maybe other investors or maybe some customers. It's just kind of like a sales process. And so you, you go through this process, and as you kind of come towards the end, you know, instead of getting a contract signed, you're hoping to get a term sheet signed. And just kind of what kept happening was we'd you know, get close to the finish line there, and companies would, or investors uh, just were taking a very long time to make decisions um, and, you know, that was, that's really what elongated the, the process for us. And, you know, it was what, what I found I really needed to do was to start to better qualify some of these investors in advance of doing these meetings and not just meet with anybody who wanted to meet with me <clears throat> because it, it can be a very time-consuming process. So, uh, you know, I, I probably got a bit more selective in the, the, the investors we met with. Um, I really started to lean on our uh, existing investors for – um, contacts they had or people that they knew and start to to use their network um, and in, in the process also you learn you know what parts of your story your pitch are resonating and which ones are not and so you know in the during the process you know, updated the presentation a, a couple of times and added some things and took things out and ultimately kind of got to the point of we you know the, the, the combination of investors that really understood the story they understood the very large market that we're in, that we're, we're very early in a market, that we're revolutionizing the space. And you need to find investors that fit, you know, kind of who you are as a company because not all, not all investors invest in the same thing. You know, some love transition stories, some love high growth stories, some love, um, you know, new companies and small emerging markets. Some would rather see established companies and established markets. And so I think it's important 
to make sure you align the investor you're going after with you know who you are as a company. How how much time you know as as a, as a CEO you spending on this you know fundraising round? You know, is it a hundred percent? Is it fifty percent? Is it twenty five percent? You know. Uh, can you share some insights into that? Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it, it was probably it was at least fifty percent. So you know, some days it would be all I did. I mean, from morning until night, I would be doing meetings and, and phone calls, and that's all I did, a hundred percent. You know, it's probably more like sixty percent of my time was fully devoted to fundraising, and the rest of it, you know, kind of the rest of the things you need to do to run a company. <laughs> yeah. So I was, and also just complicated things even more is that. I live up in Northern California, and and Invoca is located in Southern California. So I'm spending a fair amount of time traveling back and forth between Northern California and Southern California at the same time as well. Okay, uh, and, and did you did you ever feel that this raise was in jeopardy? You know, when the the, the sort of big SaaS bang, uh, you know, happened in February, um, had you know LinkedIn, Tableau, software valuations, <coughs> were, you know, almost cut in half in. You know, in, in one day, um, you know, how did you feel on, on that particular day with regards to this fundraise? Yeah, well, certainly that, that wasn't a good day, you know, and when you have days like that or, you know, days like I was saying before where the market was just sliding down day after day after day, sometimes it's hard for people to get very focused and think about making new investments and they're thinking more about, you know, circling the wagons and how they protect the investments they have. But that being said, there's a lot of money out there looking for homes. And so I, I never thought it was in jeopardy. I do recall the day, you know, said it's called the SAS Big Bang happened there in February. Fortunately, we were fairly far down the path at that point. Um, certainly, I you know, paid attention to whether or not the tenor of our conversations changed with the investors we were talking to. Fortunately, they did not. And I think in, in, even in a really difficult environment like this, great companies will get funded. So I, I always had faith that you know, the, the story was so strong, the, you know, the, the, the technology we have, our leadership position, the growth that we've had, the growth we see accelerating, that, that the company would get funded. It was just a matter of time. And really, what, at the end of the day, what the, the effect of this um, you know, kind of environment had on us was just the length of time it took to get the financing done. So, and you mentioned, um, I think, you know, just before that question, you know, about the investors having the right fit, you know, finding the investors that have the right fit, you know, uh, you, you've got some, you know, outstanding uh, top tier investors there, you, you know, how much does that help you to have Axel Upfront Ventures, you know, Mark Sister and, you know, Salesforce Ventures and, um, you, you know, all, all of the others, how much does it help you to have these in your corner? <clears throat> I think it helps a lot, and uh, one, that, one thing it gives you credibility. Um, we're the only company of our kind that has a top tier VCs, and so it, I think it gives us this, you know, kind of this anointed position of, you know, people who've come in and done a lot of work and put, you know, a lot of money down have kind of voted on Invoca as being the leader in the space. So it helps in that way. But additionally, at the end of the day. The two new investors that we brought in, Stepstone, who had been a secondary investor, but they became a significant primary investor, uh, and Morgan Stanley, both of those came from introductions through our investors. So Morgan Stanley contact came from Upfront, and the Stepstone uh, contact came from Rencon. So ultimately, you know, they were very important because they, ha- they all have their own networks, and they all have their own you know, credibility. And um, you know, they reached out into their networks just to give us investors who I thought would be a good fit, uh, you know, both ways. And it turned out that, that, you know, ultimately that's, that's how we got the funding done. 
Okay. You said that there was a lot of money out there sort of right now. I mean, would you say that the that it's a brutal <clears throat> fundraising market, um, you know, uh, and only market leaders can, can raise, you know, the sort of capital that, that you raised? Well, if you look at, you know, what's, what's happened in, in this past year, you've seen a number of these high flyers who have now gone and done pretty significant down rounds. Um, so, yeah. I, I think that there are companies in this environment that will not get funded, I believe, and they're going to have to find different ways. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of some. They're going to find different ways to run the companies by you know, scaling back dramatically um, and taking down rounds just to kind of you know, weather, weather the storm. Um, and as I did say, yeah, I think that, that truly strong, successful, great companies can get funded in, in, in virtually any environment. It just may take longer. Okay, and uh, um, you know, I, I think most of the the listeners to uh, the SaaS Revolution show uh, are kind of typically earlier stage than you know Series D. Um, but uh, you, you know, so what, what is your advice to to these sort of founders listening that are looking to perhaps raise you know seed and and, and Series A, um, you know, in the current climate? I think you look for investors that can help you. Um, you know, to grow and build your company, and not just not just money in the company. You, know, you get guys like you know mentioned Mark Suter from Upfront, you know, who's a tremendous investor, and you know they do early stage stuff, and and you know he makes a career out of helping entrepreneurs and early stage investors, or sorry, early stage entrepreneurs uh, build great companies. So I think it's you know find somebody who is truly interested in in the success of your company and believes in it, and is going to devote time. Uh, to you and your company, not just not just give you money. Okay, okay, good advice there. And um, you, you know, something I, I read a lot, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you do as well. And uh, you know that growth over profitability is, is kind of the goal of you know many SaaS companies. Um, um, you know, and I, I believe that this is the the same for Invoca. Or you know, correct me um, if I, if I'm wrong. But uh, you know, why 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 is this? Um, yeah, well, yeah, part of it is just the way the SaaS business model works, right? So in a perpetual license model, you sign a million-dollar contract in the last day of the quarter, and you recognize a million dollars in revenue. In a SaaS environment or business model, you raise a, you, you close a million-dollar deal at the end of uh, the last day of the quarter. You recognize no revenue that quarter, and you recognize a twelfth of it each, assuming it's a one-year contract, a twelfth of it each month after that. So... Uh, it takes longer for companies to get profitable, but you have so much better visibility and a much more sustainable revenue model because you have this massive backlog of business that just continues to you know, you know, uh, get recognized every quarter. So part of it's the business model that causes it longer for SaaS companies to get profitable. Um, as far as Invoca goes, it, it, growth is obviously very important to us. We are burning cash right now, but path to profitability I think is important as well and, and one of the reasons that you saw uh, you know before the Tableau LinkedIn debacle you saw a lot of other companies in the SaaS space get uh, hit pretty hard last year and these are mostly companies that were very fast growth but burning a lot of cash because just the sentiment with investors has changed and while they will permit companies to grow um, and be unprofitable they're going to want to know at what point you reach profitability so in Invoca Next year, our plan is to be profitable. So while we're burning cash today and growing rapidly, uh, we're growing the top line much faster than we're growing our expense line. And so we see what that trend is and how we get to profitability. And this Series D we just raised gives us more than enough money to get to the point of where we are sustainable. 
Okay. And, and great insights there. And so I, I also I saw, you know, talking of growth, that your year over year revenue growth um, uh, was, I think it was 50, 51% year over year. Um, so what's the, what's the secret there? You know, why are Invoker <coughs> killing it right now? You know, I think it's a, uh, it's a very interesting product, uh, fairly unique in the market at a time when uh, marketers understand the value of technology for helping them um, just improve, uh, get, get a better return on investment on their, on their, on their marketing dollars. Um, you know, chief marketing officers, according to Gartner Group, this year will spend more money on technologies than the CIOs will. So we're in a, we're in a space where, where um, marketers are spending a lot of money on technology. Uh, we've, we have a, a product that fits well. It's at the right time in the market, although it's early. Uh, there's a lot of uh, desire and need for, for our product. And we've built uh, a good sales infrastructure around going and capturing that, uh, that opportunity. Okay. All right. And uh, last question uh, now, Mark. Um, so you've taken two companies public. Um, you know, it'd be re remiss for me to not to ask you, you know, is the goal to make it a hat trick uh, with Invoker? Uh, and if so, when do you foresee uh, an IPO? Well, so as I said just a minute ago, it's, uh, it's really great that we have enough money now to take us through to profitability with, uh, with some buffer. So I feel like we are in control of our own destiny. So I, how I would answer that question is uh, it's my goal by next year to have the company ready to go public if that's what we would choose to do. Because whatever the outcome is, it's, it's only goodness about all the things you do to have a company where the, you know, the business model is, 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 is repeatable and, and, um, and, and you can forecast it with, with a lot of accuracy and um, you, know, you are profitable or you have that path to profitability. So all the things you do to get a company ready to go public is what we're going to do. And then at the time we, we're ready to make that decision, we'll make that decision because a lot of times there are things, there are factors that affect your decision that have nothing to do with the growth of the company, things like you know, market conditions and you know, other things. So you know, we'll, we'll get the company ready and then we'll make the decision as to what we want to do you know, sometime next year. Okay, all right. Well, I'll be, uh, I'll be keeping an eye out in, uh, in 2017, but um, you guys are doing great stuff at the moment. And uh, so, yeah, we've come to the end of the, uh, uh, the podcast. Mark, I just want to say, um, you know, you've been an awesome guest. We you know, really appreciate you sharing uh, your views and insights into, um, you know, this sort of recent fundraise in this, uh, I guess, kind of, you know, icy economic climate, as, a, uh, as we'll call it. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much for, uh, for being on the show today. All right. Thanks, Alexander. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. And, and listeners, if uh, you liked uh, this episode of the SaaS Revolution show, um, you know, we'd love it if you rated and reviewed us on, on iTunes and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time.